0: Hi, I'm Justin King and welcome to the Blue Chip Academy. As a five star recruit, all big 10 corner, NFL vet, and Power 5 recruiting coordinator, I understand the emotions that go along with the recruiting process. The Blue Chip Academy is here to provide education, critical insights, and mentorship through the recruiting process for families and athletes alike. When athletes and their families have proper education and guidance, they're able to make better decisions and set themselves up for long term success. Blue Chip Academy provides the resources and information that empowers athletes to create their own Blue Chip blueprint and take ownership of their careers. Blue Chip Academy exists because because when athletes and their families are armed with the right information, they're able to make the decisions for themselves that possibly impact their future. Again, I'll be your host, Justin King, and welcome to Blue Chip Academy. So welcome to Blue Chip Academy, the Blueprints of Success interview series, providing unique blueprints, tactical knowledge, best practices to navigate the critical points in the football ecosystem so athletes and parents can prepare a plan to a career path that any athlete can bank on. Today's a special episode. We have Senior Associate Athletic Director of External Relations and Development at Morgan State, Liddell Sargent, joining us today for the Blueprint to Success interview series. So we'll welcome Liddell Sargent, like we mentioned earlier, who's a Senior Associate Athletic Director of External Relations and Development at Morgan State University, also a former NFL player, four-year letterman at Penn State University, has raised over $400 million in gifts and athletic development since transitioning from the game, with stops at Marquette, ucla as senior athletic administrator while starting quarterback at penn state this is a fun fact about him uh he was also this presidential campaign staff assistant for barack obama so we would like to welcome to blue chip academy the blueprint of success series lydell Sargent. what's up man
1: what's up jk what's up jk thanks for having me on man
0: awesome awesome welcome welcome man you know we already talked about your a little bit about your your background and just moving in into the recruiting process and just you have a unique hot, unique experience and perspective just through the whole process right from being an athletic administrator multi-sport athlete coming out of high school going through the recruiting process on both coasts right starting off kind of in in pittsburgh and then like blowing up for say in california i can't say blowing up because you played varsity sports in two in, in two sports in ninth grade so you know you weren't under the radar so going into this what's one piece of advice what's the one piece of advice that you would give to anyone entering the sports business that they can bank on for success moving throughout the whole process?
1: You know, one of the things I'd say is information is key, right? And I say it in that those who have been through the process have information um, that folks who haven't had, right. Or or who, who, uh, who have never been through that process. And for me, that was my case. My parents were never in an athletic space, per se. Uh, my dad came uh, to the United States from Barbados when he was 13. And so there was never really a background in sports, you know, definitely not in college sports or anything like that. So I definitely say information, right, learning how to train, uh, learning why you're training. Uh, learning the, the, the keys to getting recruited and those things, right? And so I would say the power of information, like in any space, but especially in the recruiting space.
0: 100%. So, like, just to re- reiterate kind of what you said, going into the business, right? For any athlete, parent going through and through the recruiting process, transitioning out, kind of else thing is like one piece of advice that he would have is information is key, understanding where you're going and like the decisions that you're making and what you're basing those decisions off of right? Like that's kind of, that's a very important thing. So information is king when we move through this process. It's recruiting process, uh, transition out of the game, going into your career field or whatever that is, picking picking majors in college, whatever those things are, information is key. Understand we talk about evaluating schools throughout this process and we're going to jump into the recruiting process, right? Liddell had a pretty interesting look at the recruiting process playing at two different high schools. And excelling at both right at elite level so playing two varsity sports in ninth grade we always talk about getting on to the recruiting scene getting on there early and for example Liddell was a person that got on in baseball and basketball and ended up going to college in football so can you talk to me a little bit about your recruiting process um and how was your experience from ninth grade to twelfth grade playing in California and Pennsylvania
1: Yeah, well, you know, I'd say my recruiting process, and you talked about it, wasn't necessarily in football to begin with, right? Basketball was really where I got introduced to the recruiting process, the AAU circuit, right, understanding and seeing going to the Nationals down in Florida, and seeing, okay, there's 15 college coaches here. This is how you get in front of those guys, right? And so that's when I really started to understand recruiting, right? Seeing LeBron James in Cleveland in eighth grade, right? Seeing those things and saying, okay, well, now you got, you know, Siksevsky coming and watching a seventh grader play. This is recruiting. And so for that, and then, you, you, you know, Terry Smith, he, he mentored us, uh, mentored me, at, I, I should say, very much in Pittsburgh, uh, being from Monroeville, and so he had already understood the process, right? You talked about it. I, you know, we used to go to to Duquesne, and and I would tag along with you and 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 assist in the ball, you know, the the ball boy duties. And so the recruiting process for me, understanding what the recruiting process started early, and then uh, in high school you you start to get understand what the beast is, right? Uh, you start to understand, okay, well you know, there is more of a business side to this. There really is more of a structured side to recruiting that is something that you probably can't really understand, right? There's personnel within that college administration on that college team that is going through everybody's profile, talking to every high school coach, talking to every high school counselor. And so when you start to understand what that beast is, um, that's when it gets real. And that's, uh, you know, right around uh, 10th grade for me on football on the football side.
0: That's very interesting when you say that because you saw about your experience starting. And I was the next question is when did the, the process start getting serious? But you were kind of introduced into the in the elite basketball scene and baseball early when you talk about the AAU travel circuit. And you're talking about like basketball being one of those sports where they recruit early. You kind of know you know six five guy uh, in seventh grade is going to be somebody. So you kind of saw elite sports like the elite sports business first before you kind of got into elite recruiting you're like okay there's a business in this and and athletics in general this is serious blah blah blah. so when you just kind of transition over to football is there any differences from like seeing the basketball aau circuit and then once you started to get to recru- get recruited in 10th grade in football
1: one thing i'd say is because fo- football is such a physical sport you don't necessarily get that national spotlight until high school right uh, so you're, you're not really seeing, you know, uh, Coach Franklin or, or Nick Saban going to a, a sixth grade or seventh grade uh, to a football tournament. So in basketball, so for football, it's like, OK, now this the recruiting of football has caught up to what I've seen in basketball. Right. And so in football now it's like, OK, now these football, these coaches can tell you know, physically how big these kids will get. Right. And whether or not you can really play football, which is a physical game at the next level. And so, um, you know, that was the difference in in the football is like, okay, now it's caught up and then understanding, okay, well, now this is the same thing that we saw in basketball, but it's now in football. Right.
0: So just the same thing, like the parallel is understanding that it's a serious business. Cause you said the next question is how did, how did multiple sports help you, in the recruiting process from the evaluation standpoint, in terms of transitioning, like we've already established that you understood it was a business once you were starting to get recruited by football. But how did the multiple sports, Was that something that coaches kind of lend well to you? Or did you feel good about, you know, getting recruited and maybe still having to play baseball or play basketball and things of that nature? Where did that fit in in your recruiting process?
1: Well, it, it for me, it's it was my ability to show that I had different skills than what was showing on the film in football, right? It's like okay, this guy is really quick, but then when you see me play in basketball, it's like oh, okay, this guy's a different level quick, right? Because you're so close to him, you can see the action. Where on the football field, it's like these guys are fast, and so for me, being a quick guy, that's when you can really tell. And it's the recruiting period. Right. What, you know, being in college football recruiting, what I know is like that's the time when the coaches can go on the road. So if you're a foot basketball guy. Right. There's going to be four or five football coaches in that arena to watch you play basketball. Right. And if you're a guy like me who can really ball and like that's some of the skills is your quickness. You know, that that's that's your opportunity to shine. Right. I would say baseball is more or less on the skill trait. Okay. right then let's just say a, a trait you know skills that transition over into the game
0: right I think that's a real point as you like you pointed out like even though basketball is kind of your intro into you know the sports business being real serious and then it's also another evaluation point for for college coaches to look at you and say like oh he's a baller he moves like this because like as a recruiter or just somebody's evaluating we always look at overall athleticism right and sometimes it's hard to tell in football if you're just faster than people or the competition that you're playing against. But when you get on a basketball basketball court, you can see how people move and there's certain movements that you just don't typically see. It's funny. You mentioned that because we had an episode, I don't know if it'd be before or after with a, a you know a, a coach and he mentioned he got his offer from a basketball for a basketball game. So those things, understanding the guys when you listen and play in multiple sports is still a critical piece. There's a lot of value to that before you specialize, just different paths for different people. You mentioned earlier, about you know Terry Smith mentoring you when you were in Pittsburgh, and then when you transferred to California to Polk, how informed were you through the recruiting process? Like when you were getting offers, like take me through that. Just offer comes in, I'm researching the school, or is it just like oh, I like I like that school, I got an offer. Like just take me. How informed were you through the process?
1: Well, first things first, everybody. You know the great uh, philosopher Mike Tyson says everybody has a plan until they get hit in the mouth. Right, <laughs> meaning you know what's going to happen until that first letter comes in the mail and says, you've officially been offered a scholarship to play at this institution. Right. For me, that was BYU. And I got that letter and I was like, we made it. Right. (laughs) Meaning we ain't paying for college, which is a, which is a, which is a big thing because for me it was, that's the way or we got to figure it out. Right. And so that was when I was like, and then also that one was when I was like, okay, I got to take this serious right because before it was like i was just showcasing my ability and then it was like okay i got one scholarship now i can get a bunch more and, but i definitely need to elevate my game and then i start to understand it's like okay i i belong here and there's always doubt in whether or not you belong until something happens right you go to nationals you place in the you know top three and track or you go and you start doing things that are comparative to people that are getting offers and for me that was uh uh, when I whenever I got that first offer, it was like, okay, now I need to start to understand what the difference is and, and how I need to evaluate this process.
0: Gotcha. You. you mentioned on point where you said that's when you realized it was serious. Like, all right, the college game is in it. But you also had a, a recollection of how how serious the game was playing AAU basketball. You're one of the people that I view going through the ecosystem and understanding from an elite training standpoint, like at a young age, training. On the weekends, having that no off-season type of approach to the game. So when you're mentioning that that change clicked to it being serious, I always felt like you did approach the like sports as serious. Is that you're saying that you football was now serious as like the other sports that you were playing.
1: Correct, correct. I mean, just like you said, Sunday morning seven a.m. I was in you know Beaver Falls playing basketball, training for basketball, and that was fourth grade, third grade. Brandon Foose Cheatham. Uh, so you know the folks who know basketball in Pittsburgh know the name and so that for me when in regards to elite training that was good and I knew I was good right you got people giving my you know parents cards if you know in fifth grade saying hey I want to represent your kid when he goes to the pros right and those type of things but I just didn't necessarily you know nothing's on paper until it's written right and so people can say how good you are and how colleges want to come and get you but whenever somebody says hey now we want to get you now it's like okay, now, now we can do it. But the training in regards to the seriousness of training that started, I mean, what, 10 years old, nine right. years old.
0: So that, so you're basically saying the seriousness of getting the offer was like, all right, business time. Now the business is here and it's on me. It's, I'm not up next. It's go time.
1: It's go time. Right. Gotcha. You finally got the job. All the other ones was, was interviewing. And then uh-huh. now they say you got the job. Okay. Now it's time to show up.
0: Yep. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's good. So when you did finally decide your school What did you base your decision on?
1: For me, it was uh, academics, right? Um, Because similar to college, you know, the pros was something that I I didn't necessarily see myself being when I was in high school. Okay. Right? Because that was the elite of the elite, right? And I understood myself to be elite. But there was still some doubt. And I and I I feel like doubt is always good because it makes you train harder. Right. You need to be confident that you can do it. But also it's like, okay, you know, the the Hall of Famer has doubt until he becomes a Hall of Famer. Right. Mm -hmm. The all pro person, they have confidence that they can do it. But. Until that person is called, that's it. And so
0: that's like right into the Mike Tyson quote, right? When he talks about walking to the ring and it's like, I'm afraid, I'm afraid. And the closer I get to the ring, the more confident I get, the more confident I get, the more confident I get. It's kind of like kind of what you're saying It's like the further away it's a, you know, it's like, all right, what's up? And like the closer you get, it's like, I'm more, more confident, more confident because your preparation starts to kick in.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yep. No, exactly. And so. You know, that's, uh you, you know, that was a big thing for me was understanding, hey, and, and once I got to college, you know, seeing all those guys for us our freshman year go to the league and we were playing with them, right? right uh, We weren't playing underneath them. We were playing with them. So once you understand that, then you understand, hey, you can really get to the league. That's when the training really turns up.
0: Got you. Got you. Were you thinking about post-football career uh, or being an athletic director when you were Going through the recruiting process, you get all the pamphlets. It's like, oh, these are our programs. It's accounting, pre-med, this, that, and the third. Like, Did you know what you wanted to do when you were picking your schools?
1: I did. I did. Academics. That's what we were talking about. And I'm sorry I, we got off track because we got excited about sports, right? But academics was my first thing for school <laughs> uh, because I had that doubt. I didn't. I didn't want to put all my money in the basket of going into the NFL because that's a risky basket. Right. And so for me, what I did know is that if I go to school and I go and get this, you know, I wanted to do pre-med, I wanted to be a dentist. If I would go and do pre-med, I know that's guaranteed. Right. And so I do know that was. And so that's why there were, you know, more less ordinary schools like the University of North Carolina that was in my top five because they had such a top notch dental school that was so world renowned. Mm -hmm. And so academics was very much at the top of my list. Uh, in regards to picking schools. And so, you know, whenever I got into school, uh, understanding now, it's how do you balance elite athletics with really wanting to be elite on the academic side?
0: Right, right, right. So being an athletic administrator, was that something that you wanted to do specifically? Or were you kind of still focused on looking at the dentistry route?
1: Yeah, I had no clue about athletic administration.
0: I had no clue. Right? You just I know you, no wanted, you wanted you want you know you wanted to le- use football as a catalyst and leverage the education that you would get out of the experience. That's I
1: knew I knew I was going to college, right? And 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 what we like to say in regards to just analogies was that somebody was giving me a two hundred thousand dollar bag. Right. What was I going to do with that bag? Okay, they were going give me that education. Okay, so what does that mean? How can I flip this education and make a hundred thousand a year, three hundred thousand a year, sixty-five thousand a year? Right, and so just going through that process, um, that was very, very important to me. I had no clue about athletic administration besides being an athletic director. They ran all of athletics. Well, no clue right. about what that meant.
0: That's, a, I mean, that's an important piece that you're just picking up on. It's like going in through it. It's like. I want to be. I want to leverage this opportunity. You know, like you said, you already equated to money coming in. I can't waste it. Whether it's relationships, making three hundred thousand dollars, hundred thousand dollars. But what you're essentially saying is that you're going to use college to create a, a ecosystem so you can have a successful professional career, whether it's football or not. Right? Like that's that's kind of what we want to do, and that's what we want to go through the ecosystem. Look like looking for those opportunities as we pick schools. Like I was just kind of giving those inside gems of really going there and how that mindset gets there. Cause sometimes we talk to kids nowadays, it's like, yo, think about, well, I can't even say talking to kids. Sometimes kids will say education. Or, I'm looking at the academics just as a flat, cause they don't know what else they're looking at. Right. And like, really, you could be honest, like they might not care. So like you're, <laughs> you're definitely somebody that went through that process. And that makes sense as we'll get onto the stories and how you took advantage of all those different opportunities at Penn state. You know what I mean? With, like talking about leveraging everything outside of the field. So when get into that, what would be the worst part of the recruiting process for you?
1: Uh, you know, really having to have to show interest in the schools that you don't like. Mm. Right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, you know, I've moved on to these top fives, but there's still these, you know, 10, 15 that are still knocking. And because they're coaches that that's what they need to do. Right. And, and so, you know, we, we because we respect these people and these coaches as people, we go and we hear them out and we go and we get out of class and we hear them out and they come with their brochures and they're talking to our coach and they're saying, if this place doesn't work out, this place will work out. And so that's quite difficult because you're, you know, you're essentially telling the coach you're, you know, Thank you for coming. We're interested, but you know you're not really interested, right? <laughs> and so that was the first time for me having to fabricate interest,
0: gotcha. right? And yeah.
1: uh, it, be like, yeah, I'm interested because what if that school doesn't work out? You got to have a plan B, and so that that's probably the most difficult process. And the, and then you know having to continue show how good you are to to coaches who doubt you, uh, and so that that's that's probably the second part.
0: Oh, that's key. That's key because I always tell people that the maturation process and the and the recruiting process speeds up, right? Like it just, you have to deal with grown men, you're evaluating schools, you have to, you have to be selfish because you got to, you're looking for what you want. So it's like, I don't want to tell this guy, no, he's giving me an opportunity, but at the same time, I don't know if that's best for me. So it does make you grow up fat or mature faster. That's, that's awesome. What was the best part of the recruiting process for you?
1: Talking to the coaches that you really liked, <laughs> <laughs> it's like man, when this head coach pulls up to, to Cabrillo High School in Longpole, California, and you get to come and they're walking in with their with, with their you know, school uniforms. Right. Their school sweatsuits. And you go and people are like, OK, and, you know, OK, these fruits are coming to fruition. Right. OK. Like this is the the stuff that you actually see in the movies. This is the blue chip movie. Right. <laughs> and so until it happens to you, it's all in a movie. And so until those things happen and it's like, OK, now, OK, this coach is coming in, this coach is waiting outside right? until those things happen. I think for me that was I mean that's enjoyable because you put so many hours into be getting to this so many Sunday mornings into getting to this and so that's part of the process that you dream of watching all the movies and that
0: okay, cool cool so just the overall experience of the recruiting like being being courted pretty much like that's the last time it kind of happens in sports to be honest like that's like the first and last, right
1: <laughs> and in high school, nobody else is getting courted. Right. <laughs> There's nobody else in, the, in that high school that's getting courted. There's not people walking through that door to say, hey, let me talk to this 16-year-old.
0: That's right? uh, that so true. So
1: it's uh, the counselors, the principals, everybody in that building uh, knows that these coaches are in the building. And so that's, uh, you know, that feels good.
0: That many fame, that's love, man. That's, that's, that's great. That's the recruiting process. A lot of these guys go through it now. It's like when we were going through, like you said, we were feeling it just... From our school, like now, this stuff is coming on. Guys got Twitter, he got fifty thousand followers, and the same type of excitement is, you know, magnified <laughs> times a hundred.
1: Dangerous
0: <laughs> levels. Oh, dangerous levels. So it's crazy that we're going to transition a little, bit, we're still talking about recruiting. But from the administrators and athletic department standpoint, right? So we typically talk to recruiting coordinators, myself, you know, coaches, people that are sometimes closer to the game. So it's really cool to hear from an athletic administrator standpoint on you know, the, some of the current recruiting matters and what's happening in college sports. So what is your view on the current you know, talent acquisition recruiting process from an athletic department standpoint, like how the, how the game is shifting in today's age?
1: It's shifting. It's truly a dynamic space right now. It's an exciting space because these young men and women are getting the attention that they deserve because they're driving the product right college athletics is a young men and women business right there's these 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 young men and women they come to these institutions and they work very hard for these institutions and they come and they get their degrees and so for them to be able to take advantage of this process and see how grow, how 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 much it's expand in regards to their rights and how much they can uh take advantage of the system. It's exciting. And so it's very much a dynamic and a fluid environment, right? The NCAA is constantly evolving in, in regards to their procedures and protocols. And so it's something that folks don't know what the future is, but, you know, and and, and I know as being elite recruits, uh, you know, this, t- this, this type of recruiting um, is something that has happened for a long time in regards to the attention on high level athletes, right? And so Um, it's an exciting time and something that that I'm very, very, uh, very excited that the student athletes get to take advantage of.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome answer right there. So like in the development area, right? So it's like, we never, again, we typically get to hear, or I don't even know if some people understand exactly sometimes how the money flows. They say, Oh, the players, you know, are, got NIL opportunities. So being an ace, kind of the the chief person bringing in money, raising over $400 million in athletic uh, gifts, you know, since you started in athletic development, where have you seen like in a new age of NIL, anything operationally with the athletic departments and fundraising efforts? Have you seen, you know, that sector change a little bit? Because like you're at the, you're at the top where decisions are made, right? You're at the level where you guys are hiring the head coaches that everyone else is talking about. And a lot of times people don't really get to hear from you guys about how you view the fundraising efforts and the shifts and where the money's coming from.
1: Right, right. Well, well one fundraising is the driver of major college athletics. Right. Uh, a lot of the salaries that you're seeing from these head coaches is all private donations, uh, especially from these coaches that are at state institutions right public state institutions and so a lot of this uh, the money that's driving it outside of you know the revenue that's coming in via your multimedia rights and tv deals um a lot of stuff that's driving the salaries and all that is private donations uh, you know uh, pretty much 100 percent that's driving these large facilities and capital projects is all philanthropic it's all donations mm-hmm. right and so College major, college athletics is a philanthropic uh, a culture and philanthropic uh, world now, right? Because you have folks that are um, have done well successfully themselves, and they want to. Um, Just like they do in other areas of the campus, they see athletics as an an area that if they put their money into, it will benefit the overall institution. And so you're finding folks that uh, just as though they would uh, for the medical school, they're saying, "Okay, I'm going to give this to the medical school and I'll also give uh, some to athletics because athletics is so valuable to the overall institution. And so uh, fundraising is extremely dynamic if you're starting to look at how different uh, institutions are outside entities are forming to drive the NIL space, right? You look at um, West Virginia and, and, and your old colleague, Oliver Luck, and them doing that at West Virginia, building out that group licensing and, and the structure of um, how they want to do NIL deals, the way Georgia does it, the way, you know, Miami and Florida has set this up, uh, USC, Ohio state, you're seeing a lot of these outside entities because we as institutions can't have any involvement in the NIL process, right. right? And so you're seeing a lot of entities that are connected to the institutions, um, but do not work for the institutions because they just want to support philanthropically, uh, get into that space.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. That's 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 a very good answer. Like when you talk about like fundraising and you know college sports kind of be, being driven by those donations and, you know, revenue from the sports and those different things. And you got the transfer portal that kind of fits in now, right? Where you got these outside entities and now players can transition and change schools. And that has changed the landscape, especially with NIL opportunities floating around when donors and people that want to be philanthropic want to, you know, give those business opportunities, whether it's here or there with students that may be in the transfer portal. Is that something that's come up in the administration ranks with, you know, dealing in the fundraising things, how, you know, the people that traditionally might have fundraised to the university maybe want to jump into those different uh, third-party sectors and try to help out in that way?
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, it, 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 if, it if it's not, then you're not trying to look at uh, the big picture, right? Meaning, you know, things that may come up in the future. Are you prepared for this, right? And so understanding, okay, you may have some folks that have been all philanthropic in-house that may want to split and go some NIL, some philanthropic. And these are things that you can't drive, right? Mm-hmm. We don't drive the philanthropic dial- dollars. We just connect these particular uh, folks, our constituents, to the institution. And so you're definitely seeing that uh, in the space, I, 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 and, and folks are very much taking that into consideration. But um, they're, they're all still the same people. Um, the folks who want to philanthropically support the program are the same ones that want to support the student athletes. Right. And so you're dealing in the same space, um, but you as a department can't be involved on the, on the NILs process.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. So it's, you understand how this stuff flows, but you guys kind of you know, keep back and make sure things flow the right way. So we typically talk like, again, with coaches coming up and they, you know, looking for that next job, that next opportunity, What's something a upcoming coach could do to stand out to an athletic administrator? A lot of times they don't really know, you know, what it is that they're being evaluated on uh, to move up or whatever the case may be. Moving to a new school, you know, college coaches just move all around and you get in those ecosystems with athletic administrators, and you guys call the shots. What sticks out to you with coaches?
1: Ones who win, right? <laughs> You, you know, it's like it's like if you reverse it on the recruiting side, it's like what sticks out to you as an athlete? And the coach is going to say a four three guy. Mm-hmm. Right. The coaches who win, who produce elite players. Right. You take our guy, uh, 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 B. Marion. He's produ- producing a Balintikov, Right. right? He, he's a, he he went through the offensive coordinator ranks to, to, to develop an offensive system, but he's winning. Right. right Elijah Robinson he's winning right these guys are winning and so winning the will always the cream of the crop will always rise right and so if you develop whatever room you got and you get make sure you you know even if you are on a losing team there are guys on losing teams that still go first round mm-hmm. right and that's because of somebody that's in that room is developing them right and so I, I wouldn't necessarily say winning on the win-loss record how you develop in the kids how are you recruiting? If you're a top-notch recruiter and you're a top-notch developer, you're going to get found regardless because the kids will speak for you.
0: That That's a great answer. I mean, it's like a productivity thing, right? It's like if you're getting players, you're producing, you're taking them from point, point A to Z in their career, you're showing development, talent, all those different things that you named, that can make you stick out from athletic administrators that are kind of looking for that next hire. So you touched on some traits and strong skills that, they can have, are there anything else, any traits that they should highlight coming into say I, I'm a new coach and I come into, you know, UCLA when you're there, like what's a, what's a trait or strong skill outside of winning, right. That they can highlight or like a tactical insight that they can move around the ecosystem within the football building or athletic or college campus.
1: You know, and and when we were younger, we taught, we called it training. I'd say now in an older age, right. It's, it's preparation right? How prepared are they to get this job and to take it and to succeed? And so a lot of times you get folks who are going to come into a space and think they can figure it out in that space. And the things start hitting them really fast. The Mike Tyson quote, right? That's why Mm -hmm. I say he's one of the greatest philosophers because you got to plan until you get hit in the mouth. And that hit in the mouth is that first day, right? Mm -hmm. And so you need to really be prepared for whatever structures you want for it to look like, what you want your room to look like if you're a position coach or if you're a head coach, what you want every single department within your program to look like, right? That preparation. Because if it doesn't happen tomorrow, if you're good, it will happen at some point. And so just to be prepared, uh, the the more prepared you are, the less surprised you'll be. And so I'd say that to all the coaches.
0: Most definitely. So, coming in prepared, like the tracer is being prepared, having a blueprint ready to go, and just being confident about your business, knowing that you have a plan, right? Like that is a major piece of this thing, guys. Today's episode is brought to you by Lig Sports Group, our specialty sourcing service for football and athletic departments and sports organizations to maintain to maintain a top performing program, specialties positions within sports organizations must be sourced based on the best available talent in the country. LIG's systematic approach, intimate knowledge of the football industry, and extensive networks enables us to deliver dynamic candidates for critical roles. The football ecosystem and sports business is a fast-paced organization and movements, and at the end of the day, you want to be prepared and proactive with your talent acquisition to have the best people to fulfill, winning programs, and sustain success. So we're going to bring Laddell back in here. So we're going to touch on to the on the transition, the critical insights, the specific knowledge that you held throughout the transition, right? So, how was your transition from the game from you? How was the transition for the game from you?
1: It was like being dropped in the middle of the desert, <laughs> right? I I mean, it's it's probably the scariest space space you will be if you're a professional if you if you're playing pro is specifically that transition right jk mm-hmm. yeah that transition from a pro well one you well, got i'm to-
0: sorry but like not to interrupt but it's from the pro but just from the game when the game was okay. like from from some people it's from i you mean know, from the pros but yeah you're tra- leaving the field
1: okay uh i'm gonna i'm gonna go on both right i'm gonna go on on, on pros in college because i understand college from being an administrator but from the pros it gets real tricky because one you got to figure out whether or not you want to stay in that city or not Right. And so it's like for me, I'm in Buffalo. It's like, okay, well, do you want to be in Buffalo? No one picks you up this winter. Do you want to be in Buffalo? Right. And so that's when the transition starts immediately. Right. Because you need to start transitioning gas bills. Right. You need to start transitioning your insurance. A lot of things. Right. And those are all things that you also haven't done before, because whenever you became a pro an agent handled that Mm. right and so you you know you're really really just thrown in the desert right because there really is no advice that anybody can give you besides wait and see if you find an oasis Right. right. Sit by that phone and and wait and see if someone calls you. And so, you know, we talk about it all the time, but it's like that's probably the most anxiety period of my entire life. I'm just sitting by the phone every minute. It could be a I would go nuts nowadays with all these uh, spam callers. Uh, But it's a very, very uh, anxious time. Um, It's a time where it's a very uncertain time. Right, um, but I think it's always important to lean on what your base is. And so for for me, um, the base was I have a degree. Okay, um, my faith, right? Um, that I didn't do uh, things, everything um, so ignorantly that I don't have any money. Um, and so those were my bases that I can pay my bills. Right, I got my degree. And with God, anything can happen. And so really, uh, you know, when you're that only person in the desert waiting for an oasis because you haven't hung them up yet. Right. And that may be the same thing for somebody in college that may still want to play. Um, But if you don't play and you're in college, I'll transition now to college. If you don't play and you're in college, it's the same thing because you have all your bills in your college, your college apartment. And then you got to move back home. (laughs) <laughs> right. You got to figure out, OK, do I just go straight to to my internship and my job or do I go back home to that room that still has my high school posters in? it? Right? And so I think you're very much in that same desert. I think being a pro, there's a lot. You know, you're dealing with a lot more things, a lot more responsibilities than the average, you know, 20 year old, 30 year old. Um, but that that's uh, definitely something that you just need to lean on what your base is.
0: Absolutely. That's a great answer. And, and you, you touched on it. And then the, the chrono- chronological order that you went is kind of different than most people, right? Because you said you finished when you finished football, you transitioned, then you talk about finishing college. Can you talk about like when you walked off, when you finished uh, in the NFL, how you went back and got into athletic administration to finish your degree? And then from there, it was kind of like separate, where you were kind of NFL, like back to college and then yeah. into the workforce. Because yeah. it's like that's typically. You know for some guys that's not the route right because you go right. back and get their yeah. you know papers
1: yeah uh, i i mean for me the most difficult process that i had that i have ever been in besides my you know my best friend passing yeah. when i was in college right and right. i say that in that the, we talked about how pumped everybody was in your town when those when those college coaches came in town right Well, think about it on the reverse side when everything's done and you're going back to that same town where everybody pumped you up and now you're a regular cat, right? You're a regular (laughs) dude. And so for me, that was a very, very like, okay, that was a very, uh, if you were to say ego and confidence hit. Uh, And so for me, I was like, I'm not showing my face. Right. And uh, just to be truthful, that was just me because I had always held myself to that elite standard, whether it was in athletics, academics um, in my social aspect in school and being, you know, student government, all those. I was always felt like I was elite. And so for me, I was like, I need to, one, make money because I'm not draining any of these savings that I work very hard to save. Right. Uh, right. and I'm going to trust in my financial advisor to continue to make sure that everything goes correct on that end. I see, I continue to gain some, uh, get some capital gains on, on that money. Right. right. Um, uh, but for me, it was like, I need to make money. And so, you know, w- it, for that making money and not showing my face was landscaping at 6. AM, right. Because The stepped- next
0: question, which was first transition jobs. Like, the- yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah, right. So for me, that was. For me, I knew I need to make money because I don't want to drain money Mm -hmm. uh, until I figure out what my plan is, because uh, you don't really truly have a plan until you are forced to have a plan. Right. Meaning you may think you're going to go to this college, but something happens. You got to go to this college. You may think you're going to go to school to be a dentist And then you realize, well, I'm not about to go take that dental exam after having, you know, two years in the league and making this money. I'm not going to go that way because I don't think that's necessarily going to make me fulfilled as a person. Right. Mm -hmm. And so uh, for me, that transition was landscaping. Right. And it ended up being one of my favorite jobs that I ever done. One, because it was just a labor job and we're used to labor as athletes, right? Working out, doing things, putting the headphones in and doing things you don't want to do, but know it's for the greater good. And so landscaping was, you know, was my solemn for me to escape. And, and really, um, there, there's a depression period that you have to make sure you get over. And I think people aren't explicit enough that it is a depression period. And I don't think there is any way to avoid this depression period. And so it is a depression period that a college athlete will go to whenever they go back home. There is a depression period that a professional athlete will go back home. Don't kid yourself and think that you're going to get over that hill uh, in regards to just skipping that period. Um, you have to deal with it and understand that you're going through it and, and stick to your bases. And so for me, that was out there going landscaping while I figured out what degree I wanted to get next and what profession I wanted to do.
0: And let's jump on that. Because when I say transition jobs, like, you know, landscape is the first thing that you jumped into when you got out. Like you said, you didn't want to spend money, you wanted to get into a routine and like the basis that you had. You had your pillars, you had your faith, you had your hard work, you had all, everything that you, you know, your degree and get your master's, you had all those things to lean on. What can we go into those next roles that you kind of went into from landscaping? Because you didn't just go from landscaping to, you know, ace development guy. Can we take us through that path a little bit? And did any of those connections from landscaping to working into the workforce or to your professional career now, did any of those, any college connections help you make, connect those dots from your recruiting process, I guess?
1: Well, first off, my college connections were the, is the only reason that I'm in my current position. Okay, Right. Mm -hmm. And I say that it wasn't what I did in the league. It wasn't what I did with the presidential campaign. It was my college connections. Right. And I think that's very, very important. No matter what sector you go into, if it's finance, if it's anything, there will at some point be some connection to your university experience. Right. Um, And so for me, that that connection was uh, Fran Ganner, who was the senior associate AD of football administration for Penn State. I interned for him to graduate. And so that's how that administration started. But from from landscaping, I went and got my master's in sports management studies because I knew I wanted to be in sports and I wanted to be uh, in a space that I could be a leader in that in that in that industry. And so I did my sports management studies and my internship for my master's was different than my internship for my my bachelor's. And that I did this internship with um, uh, our our agent. Right. Uh, uh, Eric Metz, who's one of the one of the top agents in the NFL. Um, I don't know how many first rounders, over 30 first rounders, uh, one of the top guys. So uh, I did my internship with with uh, Eric with his company LMM and I really got to understand the sports agency uh, industry and so that really really piqued my interest because I saw a gap in regards to folks who were helping with the transition Mm -hmm. right I I felt like folks in the agent industry weren't helping guys in the transition I feel like uh, as a former professional the, the player drives their career not the agent Gotcha. I yep. felt like the agent could be very valuable in the transition process. And so that was uh, my next job after la- uh, first official job um, after uh, landscaping and getting my master's was working as a as a contract advisor, certified NFLPA, certified contract advisor with Eastern Athletic Services as an agent.
0: Awesome. Awesome. And so from there, that's when you jumped in back into back into athletic administration. So yeah, what,
1: what I learned agent.
0: agent yeah. Him, gotcha. Yep. Gotcha. So if you like guys listen to what he was saying, he comes out of, it comes out of, you know, his transition out of the game gets in, like has his his founding foundations, right? His pillars gets into landscaping, gets his, finds his solace there, gets into what he wants to do and keeps, keeps grinding, does the internship, gets into a uh, internship with an agent intern, uh, gets a job with another agent. And then it keeps going and building up those skills. And then the next opportunity Gets into athletic administration. Did you like? That's a. That's I mean. Getting into the where we're at now. Did you have a sense that it was going to be over before it was over? Because you know, you say it was dropped into an oasis. That kind of gives the sense of like it was here today, gone tomorrow. But did you kind of know? Like, uh, I think this is coming up. I need to transition my my mental.
1: Well, I mean, it's hard, right? Because I'll give you a present day example. Obj. As good of a player as you can be, it's all according to your situation. Right? And so I say that in that, okay, you're done playing, but then you see guys that you know you're better with that are still playing, right? Mm-hmm. And, and then you go, well, I still may have a chance, right? Because if he's playing, then that means I can still play. And so you I for me, I don't think you can never necessarily be prepared. Uh, even though for me, I, you know, I had a knee injury and I knew, okay, well, I just need to, you know, it's not going to work out for me because my skills, particularly quickness was, was, was tied to that knee. Right. But you also are like, okay, well, if the Ravens call and I go work out for them, right. I got to go do it because that means there's a possibility. So that hope that that they always kind of dangle that carrot in the NFL. Uh, because there are so many opportunities as the season progresses because of injuries and, and all those things. And so I never exactly knew, but I also understood that whatever happened, I needed to hit the ground running because I was not going back to my mama's house.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> whatever it was, I'm going to keep it pushing.
1: I got to go immediately, <laughs> and I need to go do it. And I, I ended up you know going back to, to, to get my master's. Um, just to you know, for a couple of months to to figure it out, right? Um, mm-hmm. But uh, that was something I knew I needed to hit the ground running and start and 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 make some money so that I can still do what I needed to do.
0: Absolutely, that's a great answer, man. You talked about the pillars you leaned on, you know, family, doing like working hard, you know, your faith, all those different things. What attributes or traits from your playing days did you lean on from that transition from player on the field? Right, you're going through that whole the whole situation, agent. Getting your master's, getting into uh, athletic administration—was like, yeah. it your competitive nature? Where where did you fill those those knowledge gaps along the way? Yeah. Like what, what what attributes did you use?
1: Well, I, this is a fantastic question, JK, and I think this should be people don't talk enough, and, and I talk about it every day with the kids, young men and women that I that that I oversee as an administrator. Is that they have so many transferable transferable skills as athletes. Right. And I'm not talking about how quick you are, how fast you are, how much you can run. But you understand preparation. You understand training. You understanding needing to do things more than everybody else around you. Right. You understand what to do if they call it all out blitz. So there's so many transferable skills that if you aren't shy about it and if you really just want to just accept that there are things in sports that translate to the real world that really make you successful. And one of those things for us, especially as professional athletes, is preparation, right? What do you need to know on first down, second down, third down, if they call the all-out blitz, if they don't, if they call this zone blitz, right? All of those things are preparation. And so that's the biggest transferable skills is that preparation to really be prepared for any scenario. And I think that's what student-athletes have, even if you didn't go to pro- is that you have to very much be prepared for every scenario and you have to work harder than your classmates who go, who wake up and go to class at 12 and then uh, get the chance to go out. And so that discipline and, and that hard work and, and uh, preparation.
0: My preparation piece is big because like you said, when you get used to putting that, that formula in, like, all right, prepare to get this result. Once you realize what the result that you want, that you can put the thing in place like that's like the how that I think a lot of people miss, but like you said, it sometimes you don't be shy about it, right? Because like you take an ego hit sometimes, confidence coming out of the game, and guys are a little slow, slow play jumping into the next opportunities. But kind of what you're saying is like lean into it with confidence and and try those new things and prepare. Be don't don't be afraid to prepare because sometimes people are pre- afraid to prepare because they're afraid to fail. But it's a that's some great insight there. So I know when I transition from the field from a player. So like a recruiter or some just aspects of moving around, right. That were just hard. We talk about the transition being difficult. Transition process from player, right. Your, your, your mentality as a player, super competitive to being a blue chip administrator. Like, can we talk about those difficulties from like, all right, I'm not a player anymore. I understand this is a critical view that I have, but now I'm an administrator. Like, I know I have this background, but you know, I'm here now.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think, man. I and 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 we talk about what the, your mentality is very important. When when we played in Pittsburgh, I, I, the only t- the only team I the only player I knew that could even come comparison to me when we were younger was you, right? But there was a mentality that nobody could could be better than me, right? Mm-hmm. And that mentality is very important in regards to understanding that you are elite. And once you tap into that mentality that you'll do anything to be elite, right, you're willing to take any sacrifice, you're willing to work as hard as you can to be elite. I don't think that ever stops. Right. And so for me, it's I wanted to be elite in everything that I do. Right. And administration was a space that I know I could prepare harder. I can work harder. I can uh, make sure I have knowledge to make me as as successful as anybody that has ever done this before, right? And I think that's that same thing that I was thinking about every time I stepped on the field or the court whenever I was an athlete was I'm elite and I can do things because I worked harder and I prepared harder for this moment.
0: Got you. So it's like building that confidence in your work ethic and your ability to work and outwork people and like prepare prepare and execute your blueprint. That's what you lean on. That's that's, a, that's an important fact, man, for you guys athletes making that transition. Some that are going through high school to college, college to the pros, don't lose that mentality and continue to put those building blocks and pillars, kind of like Lado said, in place at every transition. So you're a blue chip prospect, blue chip college player, blue chip train, you know, blue chip agent, blue chip administrator, and whatever the case may be, like those different things that you can implement. And we'll obviously get into more technical things, but that's some pretty strong stuff there. So now current, Lido is the senior associate AD of external relations and development at Morgan State, and he's done some pretty amazing things there. Obviously, we talked about his just career raising $400 million, but he's done some really cool things, implementing the first wrestling program at HBCU and creating and launching a data analytics and sports data partnership with the NFL. So let's talk about those a little bit. Can you tell me about the significance of implementing the first wrestling program at HBCU and the benefits that might come from it?
1: Access, access, right, uh, it, to, to spin it on in regards to recruiting, access, right? Mm-hmm. For us, it was do you have access to five-star basketball camp, mm-hmm. right? Do you have access to how an elite um, track athlete is training? Do you have mm-hmm. a- access to how the best defensive backs are, are backpedaling, right? Now there's so much access because of the internet. Right. Um, I translate that into my current job as wrestling. Our big thing is access. Right. My big thing is access. Right. Making sure that our young men and women have access to anything that they want. So then they can be great. And I think a lot of doors are shut on the access. And for that, that was wrestling at the HBCU level. There is no Division One HBCU wrestling program. And this past year of the 10 NCAA champions, Five of them were African-American, right? So five of the 10 NCAA wrestling champions in all of Division I wrestling were African-American, right? Our alma mater, Penn State, had three of them, right? But I say that in that there is a strong um, uh, constituent group and demographics of elite wrestlers, um, that may like the HBCU model and represent African Americans in the minority community and they had no access or opportunities at HBCU institutions. And so um, that was the biggest thing for us to do in regards to that wrestling program.
0: That's powerful stuff right there, man just creating those different opportunities for just our athletes, different for our athletes, for our parents, regardless of whatever HBCUs get to offer but like implementing the first wrestling program, like you said, access is, essential in all the things that we're kind of talking about we just transition and talk about access i think this next program is super cool i mean very essential right when you're talking about where the nfl is going sports business and we just talk about data analytics and it just drives everything right sometimes it just disqualifies some guys that want to get into different things in sports uh that transition from a player and things like that it's always like the jocks versus analytics but it's a a tool that we can always use so like implementing this program the data analytics program at Morgan. It's very impressive. Can you take me through the thought process of creating a data analytics program with NFL and Troy Vincent?
1: Yeah. One data is the future. It's the future of sports and every sector of the sport, right? Even down to sports medicine and sports health, right? Um, Data, body sensors, uh, when it comes to coaching and, and on the field, it's, you know, we call it stats, right? Whenever we were looking at it back before the whole data became popular. But stats, right? How many times do they run this play on first down? How many times do they run this play on second down? Now it's just really in a big, easy formula that's easy for coaches to uh, manipulate and really interpret, right? Uh, And so what we understood here at Morgan was that we have the only – FinTech Center and HBCUs. And basically, the the job of the FinTech Center is to look at, uh, it it was sponsored by Ripple, uh, a company, a FinTech company. And the job of our FinTech Center is to look at innovative ways of what the future would look like. And one of those is data. And the NFL, that was a sector that Troy wanted to do in regards to expanding uh, NFL's reach with HBCUs. And then for us to, uh, to be able to integrate that into our school business and our fintech center and really build that out and build out a whole data analytics program, like I said, that's going to be the future of sports, but really just the future of, of everything that we do as people.
0: I think you're touching on even with that. It goes along with the with the, the wrestling aspect. where you are talking about access, right? When we talk about guys getting into school or whatever the case may be, you, you provided another opportunity for students access to get into working in sports from an analytical standpoint, from whether it's analytics and you can get, have that opportunity. Because I know when I was at the XFL, we got we did a lot of our data through Syracuse and their data analytics program. And at the time it was the only one. So I don't know how many of the numbers, but I know you guys are one of the few programs out there like that. So I can see the opportunities that are immense when you just talk about that gap knowledge, whether it's Morgan's a place where NFL teams, you know, use data crunch things or, you know, data hubs for different things in the sports realm. It's just, it's just, I think that's a really cool and innovative thing to implement. And I think it's awesome for people to know, you know, what's kind of going on in sports and different HBCUs and how, you know, from a player and a specific knowledge that you do have, how it's able to be implemented. So we kind of transition a little bit, not really, but the ideal personality type player, right? If I'm a player at a school right now, they might hear this. They like, I want, I might want to get in the athletic administration. What type of personality or player would lend well, you know, following your post career blueprint to that to the position you're at now?
1: I'd say anybody who wants to work hard, mm. and 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 I always tell the analogy: if you really wanted to shoot three, uh, 30 minutes or an hour of three pointers a day you would get a college scholarship somewhere, right? It's all based on how much work you want to put into it, right? And so I was somebody in administration that didn't know much about fundraising. I've never fundraised before, right? Mm -hmm. I ran presidential campaigns and I've done, you know, door to door, like uh, you can call it sales, but I didn't, I wasn't selling anything. You know, I was trying to get people to participate, Um, but because I wanted to learn as much about it and I was willing to work harder and really gain as much insight as I could, I think that was something that could drive me um, in a space that was unfamiliar, right? And so I would say just your ability to work harder and understand, okay, I've never seen this coverage, but I do know once I see it, now I can be prepared for it. And right. so, really having that understanding. Okay, now that I've seen it, now it's up to me whether or not I go get it or not. It's up to nobody else. But how much work I want to put into it.
0: Absolutely, and it's like it goes back to what you said. Even when you picked, while you were picking your college choice, right? You were going for the education was kind of your lead thing. And I kind of touched touched on it with uh, Obama uh, staff assistant when he the campaign manager when you are going through that whole situation in college and like taking advantage of those opportunities. Because I mean, for me, saying. We were talking about going through the process and becoming an athletic administrator. You're somebody that kind of put these different pieces in place as you were going, right? In college doing the uh the the presidential campaign, understanding the different movements of people, being an agent, moving in that sector, you know, landscape and moving in that sector. And then you get to administration, you're dealing with different ranges of people. That's just, I mean, it just sounds like the perfect blueprint for for you that you fell through and it was unique to yourself. You said like the trait or something that I can do is work hard. What, what kind of personality do you think would lend well following your path?
1: A lot of times, nice, being a nice and respectful person uh, gets overlooked. Gotcha. Right. And I think that that, that carries you a long way, right? You, you've you heard a lot of times and list, there may be some spotlight on folks who were folks who really did great things for society that weren't nice people, mm-hmm. Right. Um, but a, not a lot of things get talked about in regards to folks just showing respect to folks in the workplace, right, showing respect to, to folks that they supervise um, and just being a nice person. I think those things carry a, a, a long weight, right, that being nice and gracefulness and understanding that people, um, you know, all people come from different ways of life, different ideologies. And, and I think that's really a, a trait that gets built that you start to understand in a football locker room. Right. Right. Is that if somebody's different than me, that doesn't mean that I don't, I'm not going to be nice to them or I don't respect them. Right. And I think that that's a trait um, that folks that aren't in a team environment um, don't necessarily understand. Uh, because they don't understand how to be respectful to folks that they may not like, or somebody who took your position or somebody who do these things that you may not like, how you have to still respect them. So I think that's a, that's a, a very uh, crucial trait that a lot of people don't talk about.
0: That's good. Cause that kind of transitions into my next question for athletes aspiring to be athletic directors. What can they do to prepare to make that critical transition? I know you said like, pretty much having awareness and being kind and and nice about how respectful you are. And so for an athlete that wants to kind of be in your position, what can they do walking around the hallways tactical? Like what can, what can they do to make that critical transition?
1: I think it's for, for any sector that you want to, that you want to do, you're in a good space as a young man or woman to ask questions and not get shot down. Right. And so whether it is in finance, you know, why not? Why not go and ask the Wells Fargo CEO a question Mm -hmm. if they're accessible to you? Mm -hmm. Right. And so I think that you need to come prepared. Right. It's not just a a conversation. Write down one, two or three questions that you're going to have that you can have answered so that you're gaining more information that you can develop. Right. And that you may gain more insight. And so I think that a lot of kids don't do that. Um, because they're afraid, not understanding that you're in a really time frame where you can be curious and people will not shoot you down, right? You can really bug people and they'll say, okay, this is an ambitious young man. After you graduate, it starts to become, okay, you may be bothering people, right? <laughs> and so I think that uh, that's a th- those four or five years, six years, however long you're there, is a good time for you to take advantage of that curiosity phase that people give you the opportunity for.
0: Man, that is a diamond of a uh, gem to throw out there, man. Just taking advantage of the opportunity that you're in and not just walk it up to somebody, but like he's like Liddell was saying, like be prepared, understanding prepared. like, you, your preparedness and what you want to accomplish. Go over and talk to, if you want to be an administrator, go talk to the athletic director and have some questions and ask about it. Like that person will get to know you. You start to build a relationship, like Gladell like, like said when the career is over and you come back, start asking questions, it, it does get kind of weird. That's one thing that I always regretted going through as a player, knowing that I wanted to work in football, having the football background and coaches. Sometimes I took that for granted. What they' talking about, like whether it's just, I can't even say being respectful, but just going to go talk to a coach or asking questions or whatever case may be to, to build that relationship, to provide value and just exchange ideas to, to put myself in that light as a player, because I was hurt when, I start calling when I'm done and it's like, I'm not getting, I'm like, hold up. Hey, I thought we were, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? But that is, um, that's great advice. Young administrators out there, listen to what he said, moving up in the ranks, have some answers and be prepared to like provide value. You have a critical view, right? Like, I don't know how good it would be like if a player came up to you and told you something, how, you know, the football or basketball field hockey or how something may be going right now and their view on it from an athletic administrator standpoint, you create dialogue that's some pretty powerful stuff right there. So, I mean, thanks for that. That was, that was really good for young administrators out there. Yeah. You know I mean, that's always something, you know, you get into the field and I know like, you know, competitive nature with football players, you know, we make that transition. We're in the field. How do you move up? Like what's what's some advice that you would give for young administrators out in the field that are looking to raise the ladders?
1: It happens where people can move up and not be productive, but very rarely. Right. And so if you want to move up, you got to just produce. Right. right. And so if you're an academic coordinator, it's about, okay, are you somebody that when the student athletes coming into your room, they know that you're going to develop them? Because if it is, it's just word of mouth. Right. Uh, What ends up happening is that somebody says, oh, I got a guy over here at Utah Valley that can really raise money. And they say, oh, well, the only reason they know that I could raise money at Utah Valley was because I did it and I produced there, <laughs> right? Um, if not, I would just still be a name, right? right. And so it's similar to what we talked about earlier in regards to how coaches get into it. If you're developing a room and if you're producing and you're recruiting and you're producing, you're going to get found. Right. It's the same thing in administration. Um, you can work really hard to make connections. And if you don't produce, it will it will mean nothing.
0: Take care of your craft is what he's been saying. Prepare, lean on your skills and produce. I love it. I mean, that's that's the business of athletics. I know you accomplish so much at such a young age, man, just playing an NFL master's degree, going to go get your doctorate, raising four hundred million dollars in athletic gifts. So many uh, implementing programs at HBCUs, like the whole nine. What's your career end goal?
1: I will be an athletic director. Right. Mm -hmm. And I say that and that we talked about the doubt before. Right. And, And understanding, okay, how do you learn from the lessons that you that, you know, before I had doubt in regards to whether or not I would be in the NFL. Right. And I think that doubt prevented me from reaching my highest level of achievement right and instead of me saying okay i will be in the nfl and when i go to the nfl i will be all pro and whenever i'm all pro i will go to the hall of fame right instead of having that confidence and affirmation there was that doubt and so for me i will be an athletic director right and my end goal is really just to help young men and women who are going to lead this world way better than our generation did. And will lead us to the future because these old knees are only getting older and we need, uh, you know, our daughters uh, to take care of us. And so really as much insight as I can into the younger generation and making them great. I know that's 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 where I want to be.
0: Man, that was great. Thank you so much, Laddell, for joining us here at the Blueprints and Success Series. Like you said at the beginning, man, just a quick recap of every kind of what we touched on. He just talked about leaning on the pillars, understanding that as an athlete, man, you have to prepare, you have, you have special skills that you can, that you go through the ecosystem with and that you can develop and understand. Having a plan, information is key. Like Liddell said, going through the recruiting process, he was exposed to basketball, elite basketball at a young age. And then as he continued to move up, he got into football. And he could see that okay, I need to have a plan and pre- prepare to execute that plan. And the same thing, maximizing education in college and going through the transition and becoming an athletic senior athletic administrator administrator now. So that was just a very powerful interview, and I just really appreciate all the insight there for the guys out there that maybe want to become an athletic director. Like you said, athletes take advantage of those times when you're on college campuses. You got a very unique standpoint, very unique. Access, we was talking about earlier, access to administrators, access to coaches, ask questions, get in their ear. like trade, take the information. You're at a university to get the information, like Liddell said, going to school for the education and maximizing this whole process, using football as a catalyst to a career that you can bank on. Remember to subscribe to the channel, um, download the checklist, the blue chip blueprint checklist. Uh, again, thank you, Liddell, for joining us.
1: Yeah, JK, let me plug one one if I can. Go for it. Real, real quick plug, man. I just want to say I love this platform, man. Love what you're doing. I think this will really be the guide for student athletes and folks who want to be elite, not just in the sport, but be able to take advantage of the college system, uh, both coaches and student athletes. And so uh congratulations to you on this platform. This is a much needed space, uh, a much needed guide for folks. Who, like me did not have much information in this and so we talk about access this is giving them access to the back door and so uh much respect to to lig and blue chip academy and uh, uh all the best in your future
0: and thank you so much thank you for tuning in to this episode of blue chip academy to help navigate the recruiting waters lig sports group put together a blue chip recruiting checklist Download your checklist at LIGsports.com Blue Chip Academy to ensure you're making informed decisions through this process. Hit subscribe and check out the LIG Sports Group Football Ops Recruiting YouTube channel. where We will talk about the recruiting and other critical points in the football ecosystem. If you're feeling stressed, confused, or just want to help putting together a blue chip blueprint for you and your son, don't hesitate to book a console call with me at LIGsports.com backslash blue chip academy remember everyone has a different journey keep sharpening remember that you can only go to one school just make sure that you have your blue chip blueprint together and execute it life is good